Hi everyone, welcome back to another Female Spotlight episode. So today I'm speaking to Nikita, who is the founder of the brand The Naked Laundry. She is an entrepreneur, a South Asian woman boss. I'm so excited to speak to her about her brand and I think most importantly the challenges that she's faced as well as an entrepreneur. Hey Nikita. Hi Alicia, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming on to Samal. I know that we've spoken about this for a little bit of it. It's kind of like a few weeks now, but really happy to have you on. Um, before I kind of get into all the questions that I have planned, um, I just want to know how you are and how you've been, because it's a question that we ask all of our guests, because in this time right now, I think sometimes, um, you know, we hear it a lot, but we don't always listen to the person answering. So how have you been? How have you been coping? Really good, actually. So it's just been really crazy from my end. Um, literally came back from doing the orders and now I'm here. Busy, but busy is always good. So yeah. good, thank you. How are you? <laughs> I'm good as well. Yeah, again, I mean, the weather is getting a little bit better, so I'm not yeah. going to complain. The sun is out, so I'm really happy. Um, well, I'm going to dive straight in to all the questions. Um, and the first question I have for you is tell us a bit more about the Naked Laundry and the brand. But more importantly, how did you kind of come up with the idea of, yeah, launching this amazing brand? Thank you. Um, yeah, no, so it really started with a, a problem I had at university. So we had this event called Central Zone uh, yeah. for Gujaratis, it's Goba, um, but it's, it's a national event that everyone celebrates. And it was a time where I was wearing one of my mum's sari blouses, but I don't think she actually realised that it was going to be quite tight and small. Yeah. So it got to a point where my friends were actually zipping me on the side. And I was like, okay, this is this is not working. It's not for me. So that's where the whole concept of wearing uh, crop tops as sari blouses came from. Um, so we really were the first people when it came to doing it in UK sizes. And that is the core factor. So every piece that we make, we make sure that you can wear it with a lenga or a sari as well as a western wear outfit and that yeah. is predominantly the reason why the naked laundry was born such a genius idea because again when you're at uni you are on such a tight budget as well and yeah to be able to afford some of these luxurious sari blouses or lenga blouses can be so much money but I think it's so great that you kind of have that option of wearing it again like you said with Indian clothing or with like your jeans and your pants I think it's a very very um, I think yes yeah, smart and useful kind of brand concept so obviously it's called the naked laundry and you know we spoke about this before and I was really intrigued as to why it was called the naked laundry so what was the reason behind that specific brand name yeah absolutely so naked for us actually just means using neutral tones it's such a taboo word yeah. where people think naked just means bare but we actually reinvented that for the naked laundry and we use naked as in using neutral tones contemporary tones again versatility is the core for our company so making sure that you have your blacks your whites your neutrals things that you can easily pair with again western and asian wear so that's where the whole naked side of things came from um laundry was to actually just complement the word naked um in order to you know think more sustainable more clean more ethical um so we are on 
the horizon of actually following more of a sustainability route as well mm-hmm. um in terms of sustainability for us it's more of a factor of minimizing your wardrobe so again making sure you have those staple pieces for both cultures both events uh and you can really just pick up go and use it as a blank uh, canvas as well yeah absolutely well i think it's always so interesting because i think every brand and every kind of you know fashion a brand has a story behind you know why they're called what they're called it's very interesting to hear that to see why you kind of chose the words naked and laundry so again you know if I go back to your journey as you know an entrepreneur and you mentioned to me that you started kind of brainstorming this idea for this brand when you were I think 20 21 so very very young what has it been like to start at such a young age and then to be establishing you know a huge brand at the age of 24 what was I like for you from going from uni to now obviously where you establish yourself now it was quite a journey so I didn't have on paper a fashion background and so I graduated with business economics and I knew I wanted a business and it was just that moment where I needed that spark where you know, have that moment where I'm like, okay, this can work. So yeah. my mum is a tailor, my grandma is a tailor, my masses, everyone in my family is a tailor. So mm. it was really trying to input that kind of skill set and making my dreams come true and, you know, having something I absolutely love. So uh, what I did was I actually sent my CV around in pink envelopes to all of the fashion houses uh, in London. And thankfully, I got my internship in one of the fashion brands. I shadowed the director to make sure like I knew what kind of skills I I needed to elevate myself Um, and then moving forward from that I just worked in the industry fashion and beauty um, and then really just took it on myself in August to go full-time with this. Yeah taking that plunge I think can be quite scary especially when you are very young but I think obviously I think if you follow your dreams and your passion I think it always pays off in the end. So if I now kind of talk to you about the challenges that you faced as an entrepreneur, because again, I think that, you know, with a fashion brand, what we see as consumers is this beautiful brand. You see the garments, you see the models, you see all the pieces. But I think behind the scenes, there's so much blood, sweat and tears that really go into it. And I think, you know, it's already difficult as it is or challenging as it is as an entrepreneur. But I think sometimes being South Asian, you know, has its own challenges as well. So talk me through when you went to Surat, which is obviously in Gujarat, and it's kind of known to be the world's, um, you know, hub for fabric. What was that like for you? Because I know that you had an interesting experience when you went there. Yeah, so Surat was one of, so for for everyone that doesn't know, Surat is like the hub for fabrics. You go there to get every kind of fabric that you need. And this was probably the first time I went back to India in 11 years. And I, I definitely stick out as a sore thumb in India you know coming from London so people know that you're a foreigner our accents as well I think yeah (laughs) you can't fake that as much as I try to speak you know Hindi or Gujarati or or the language I just couldn't you you can't you can't have that unfortunately (laughs) um so yeah so uh it was myself my mum and my grandma we went to India in Surat and I remember going into one of the stores and I kid you not, the the owners of the stores didn't even flinch. They didn't want to entertain a conversation. They didn't want to pursue anything. So I had a whole entire book of swatches that I wanted them to help me with to build a collection. And they just really weren't interested. And I definitely think that it's because one, I was young. Um, 
Two, they knew that I was a foreigner. And three, they probably just thought that I didn't come from experience. Little did they know I had two very well experienced tailors by my side. Yeah. Uh, which was unfortunate. Um, and that didn't just happen once. That happened throughout the entire parade. Um, so it was just an ongoing battle where every single time I used to go into a store, they just they just didn't want to entertain any kind of business relationship. Yeah. So how did you kind of maneuver that? Because that must be so disheartening that you're, you know, you've gone all the way to India with your yeah. mom, with your grandma, and you obviously are very passionate for this brand that you want to launch. So how did you kind of maneuver your emotions through that journey? It was difficult because one, it was, I was so new to the whole yeah. business side of things. So you really don't have experience to uh, think about what you should be doing or how you should be acting in situations. But what I took away from that is, is that I learned skills to make sure they knew who I was and mm. make sure that they understood my intentions in any kind of, you know, business relationship. So I didn't do business with them, of course. Um, I went back home. I looked at other avenues. So where my team is right now is in Delhi. So originally it was going to be in Surat, but everything worked didn't out work for out. me. Yeah. No, so Surat didn't work out for me, but Delhi worked out. And it's probably been the best decision I've, I've made because everything that I need is accessible in Delhi. Uh, my team is there. The fabrics are there. Um, and, and at this point, we're actually making our own fabric. So I didn't really need to rely oh, wow. on them after. Yeah, you're your own boss. And I think it's really good because obviously everything worked out, I think, for the better then, didn't it? Yeah. Um, so I think, again, that kind of just shows the resilience that you need. And I think sometimes maybe it seems like it's very easy to just go out to Surat and you kind of assume because you are Indian, you kind of will get the same treatment. But as you said, like when you are living abroad, I think, you know, unfortunately, you will have to face a scrutiny at times, which is obviously, it can be very daunting, and I think very discouraging, but you just have to find different avenues, I guess, and try and maneuver that in the best way possible. Um, so another challenge that we kind of spoke about as well was obviously, you know, when you were doing business within the early months, you face a scrutiny of, you know, being associated again, of being South Asian, but obviously the stigma that South Asian and the culture has of um, products being made quite poorly, and obviously you had your struggles with that, with the stores and all of that. So that must have been really, really disheartening and very, very tough, I think, mentally to be going through. It was really difficult. So when I started my business, obviously I was going through like the market research phases. And one of the advice that I was given by not only one person, like a, a handful of people yeah. was don't be behind the stalls because naturally that would degrade your brand again, because of the color of my skin, unfortunately, or where I'm from or where my parents are from. And I just didn't understand that because why would the founder not be behind their brand? Why would they yeah. not want to, you know, promote what they're doing and understand and their be customers? so proud of what they're doing? Yeah, exactly that. And for me, it just didn't make sense. And I still went ahead with my gut feeling every single time I do a stall or if I have a business partnership, I will be present because I don't want to do business with someone that just doesn't know my face and doesn't know my story. Likewise, I wouldn't want to do business without knowing them. Yeah. And for me, it was really important to understand what the value was. And it really, you know, goes back to the fact of not just India, in China, in, in other industrial um, countries, that people have this stigma about low quality, just because of the way that things are made. However, yeah. that is just the mass. 
They don't really look at the small studios. They don't really understand that it could be a family-run business. Um, naturally speaking, when you have a larger larger business, you obviously may try to do have like may have tried to have shortcuts. Yeah. Um, for us, we're still in the early stages, so there's no reason for us to have shortcuts. Um, so unfortunately, again, I still don't understand at this point of time. It was very disheartening. I always be present behind any kind of store it doesn't matter about my the color of my skin because again we are a strong Indian heritage company the whole potential and formation of the uh, of our brand is to wear it in both Indian and western wear so it doesn't make sense not to be not to have that kind of presence yeah and it's your USP I mean the fact that you can obviously wear it within both cultures I think you need to have a representation behind the brand and obviously as you said like you need to know who the person is that you're doing business with, because otherwise yeah. it just doesn't make sense. So would you say that now that you've been running with Naked Laundry for, I want to say, actually, is that three, two years now or less? Two years, yeah. Ah, so it's it's oh two years God. and it'll be three years in November. Wow. So it's still, like, it's doing very so new. well. Very, very new, yeah. <laughs> So yeah. would you say that now you kind of, are you still facing some of that backlash or that scrutiny of obviously because of your color and being South Asian? Or do you think that now that you've established more of a brand that you kind of see people eyeing you in a different way, if that makes sense? So I think from where we started, and here's a bit of an insider, I didn't know that I had such a wide Asian base mm. um, for the Naked Laundry. So ideally we thought our customers might predominantly be non-Asians. But as yeah. time went on, we started to see, okay, there's Asians in China, there's Asians in mm. other parts of Europe. And they're, and they're the ones that are actually continuously buying, not just one purchasing, they're continuously buying from us every That's single amazing. month when we have new pieces. So for me, I haven't faced it as of yet. Um, in the last, I would probably say in the last few months, it's just because we've been growing so much, people understand the Naked Laundry as the Naked Laundry now, and not Naked Laundry from Nikita. It's a standalone name. Um, With all the stockists that we have and the opportunities that we're getting to work with amazing influencers and celebrities, it's not just me anymore. It's actually Nikita and then the Naked Laundry. Absolutely, yeah, I think the brand kind of established, and I think the brand speaks for itself as well. I think sometimes when you're just starting off, I think sometimes you need to kind of have that face behind it, but I think you're so right. I think the brand definitely speaks volumes. Um, you mentioned, obviously, that you worked with celebrities and influencers. Obviously, we know that you've worked with some amazing women like Deepa Kosla and Koshal. What was that like, you know, for you and the brand? Because that is obviously a huge opportunity and such a, at the encouraging moment to be having. So how did that come about? And I guess, yeah, how did it make you feel? So these influencers I've been following for years, they are the core influencers where I feel like I've learned the most. When it comes yeah. to influencers, it's not just like an overnight project. It's like understanding what their values are, what they believe in, what we believe in, and if they marry each other. So the whole relationship started with either having direct communication with themselves or the agents. And it was a few, it could even be a few months. It could be a few weeks to a few months. Um, And it was the most amazing achievement because these are the influences, like I said, I grew up listening to and being inspired by and for them to, yeah. And for them to wear the naked laundry and the crop tops on a day-to-day basis on various ways where they can wear it in again, Asian and Western wear um, and, and, you know, just wear it in, um, 
just different ways that was the biggest achievement for me yeah. it wasn't the fact that we got a lot of audience from it it was just the fact that they recognized us and they appreciated us being a small to medium company and they understood the value of the naked laundry yeah absolutely and i think it's i think it's very surreal like you said because you're following them yourself and then all of a sudden they're kind of in your garments and in your pieces yeah yeah um so if you reflect upon your entire kind of journey of being an entrepreneur what would you say is the biggest like the one biggest lesson that you have learned budgeting I would say definitely budgeting I would say be careful of how you do things where you do things um and what you invest in invest in people invest in talents invest in skill sets that you may not have unfortunately everyone's not perfect there'll be people out there that's better than you in some um departments and you know that's what's going to elevate your business um and having a wider team and trust people as well yeah it's really cliche to say this but when you have a business it's literally like your baby you don't want to let go of things because it's all your hard work and energy but letting go of things is actually a better solution than you trying to fixing like fix something that you know you rather just spend time doing other things um so that would probably be my biggest uh biggest lesson I would say yeah so budgeting is your biggest lesson yeah and I think as well when you have your own brand I think sometimes you want to be in control of everything because like you said it's your baby but I think sometimes would you say that trusting other people as well to kind of be a part of your vision plays a role within that as well I would say yeah trust is a big thing because they need to understand the story behind the company and they need to understand me as a person to have a good relationship um I I can tell you so many times where my trust has been broken in the last few years in terms of business um one of which where unfortunately I invested a large sum of money and this happens I'm very open about it I uh, invested invested a large sum of money and I didn't get my stock. Oh and my it was really disheartening because I was so new to everything. Yeah. And I wasn't sure how to react to it. I wasn't sure what to do. Um, all I could do is move on. It's a yeah. learning curve. Fine, money's going to come and go, but it's something that I hope doesn't happen again. Um, yeah. But it's just the nature of how business works sometimes absolutely yeah and I think I like to there's going to be ups and downs but it's I guess just the nature of it isn't it yeah so again back to kind of I guess the little top tips so if we imagine that there's you know a young South Asian woman that you know maybe in her 20s or early 20s wants to or is thinking about starting her own kind of business and brand what would you say again I'm keeping this to like one tip but you can obviously say more if you think that is more suitable um what is yeah your top tip for someone that is maybe 20 21 so very very young to go ahead and start their um yeah their own brand or whatever they want to do in terms of being an entrepreneur I would say always dream big it doesn't matter what you do how you do things just start starting isn't the hardest bit it's actually running it and coming Mm. up and facing all these challenges day by day Every single day is going to test you in more ways than another. Just for an example, um, when we were in lockdown, unfortunately, my campaign shoot wasn't able to happen because oh yes, of the, studio, yeah. the studios weren't open. 
So I had to optimize my space, which was my garden. And I woke up at four o'clock in the morning, made sure that there, there was different sets and just think outside the box to make sure whatever needs to happen will happen. There's no formality. There's no structure. There's no strategy behind it. You just have to make it happen. You yeah. will be outside your comfort zone. But I definitely think being outside your comfort zone is the best way to learn, Absolutely. especially when you're having a business. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think it's going to pull you in different directions, but you just have to. I think that's the great thing is that you become resilient. And that's exactly what you need, I think, to like, I think, adopt within yourself. Yeah. On the topic of COVID, um, what has been your biggest challenge, would you say, during this pandemic? Is Has it been the fact that you obviously can't maybe as, not as creative, but maybe the shoots have been an issue in terms of getting people over and having that physical contact? Or has it been something else during this time? Um, I would say it's all of the opportunities now being virtual. Mm. Um, so the stylists, unfortunately, um, are having to pick up pieces from my house as opposed to a yeah. set location. Um, I would also say it's, it's somewhat limiting my creativity. However, it's challenging my creativity. Whereas yeah. I would have relied on my amazing photographer, my amazing content creator to come up with things. It's actually just me and my camera now because yeah. I'm not able to go anywhere. However, I think it's definitely testing my skill sets to, again, come out my comfort zone. Uh, referring back to that campaign uh, example that I mentioned in my garden, yeah, I wouldn't have ever been able to do that in an in a real life world where no. everything was open. Yeah. So I would definitely think that it's testing me in more than one ways. However, yeah. positively, yeah, I don't very think, positive. Yeah, and I don't think that we would have been able to go full time with this. You know, really take the leap if it wasn't for COVID either. Yeah, definitely. So you know, your latest campaign shoot was that done in your garden? It was done in my garden. <gasps> Oh exactly yeah. you literally could I just I thought it was a professional kind of that shoot that was done but that was done by you then there's a there's a video on Instagram where I actually show you guys me at four o'clock in the morning which is not a pretty sight oh my god um, in my dressing <laughs> gown trying to put the woodwork together I've seen this on the tree and the little yeah, I've seen this really oh my gosh that is it incredible was, yeah it was very intense um but honestly, the campaign images are phenomenal and I couldn't have phenomenal. done it without my team. Absolutely, they look stunning. Just looking at a comment right now, and someone just said that I think we have so many great virtual resources which has allowed us to connect with people and entrepreneurs from around the world. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. I think that's such a great outcome that's come out of COVID, obviously, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 really testing people to, you know, like think outside the box. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's where the creativity really kind of flows. And I think that's when it's at its finest. Yeah. Um, so who is one celebrity slash influencer that you would love to see your garments and pieces on? Just the one? <laughs> it could be one or two. Um, or like even three, maybe. I mean, it depends on if there's like this, like your top three, maybe. Your top three celebrities and influencers that you would love to see your pieces on just trick I'm sure there's so many no there's there's literally yeah no. a whole list probably <laughs> I think I am a huge fan of Deepika and oh my god yes and the actress um both of them so they are so strong-minded and they definitely do inspire me ways that promotes um empowerment 
Yeah. And I would love for them to wear it. So I would say both of the Deepikas, beautiful. Yeah, I mean, stunning women in both their own ways, which is amazing. Um, so before we do finish, the last question we always ask our guests is, what is a personal mantra that you live by? I think I'd have to refer back to thinking big. Every single day I say, think big, think big, think big. Because it's easy to fall into a small, closed-minded um, thinking process when you yeah. are the only person running the business solely from, you know, in, in the United Kingdom. Um, whereas my team is in India because yeah. it's only my brain against my brain. Um, so I would say if you want to get into Big Stocker's name, definitely think about it don't just think you're a small business you can't do it because so many opportunities will come your way and it'll inspire you and other people to also take the leap as well yeah absolutely and actually before we do finish off one like a quick little bonus question what would you say is next for the brand and you now because obviously we're kind of well fingers crossed coming out of the covid phase a little bit so yeah. what do you kind of hope to see now for you and the brand coming in the next year, year or few months? I really hope to scale it up. So I really want to uh, work with more influencers and more celebrities. Mm. I would also say um, adding more pieces to the collection. While our yeah. collection is very tight knit, um, we are expanding it and we're making sure that it really um, attracts all kinds of people that have this same problem the way that I used to have, you know, not being able to fit into bespoke crop tops in case you go up and down sizes. So that is my key goal, making it as accessible to people everywhere, um, internationally, because we are an international company. Um, And I would probably say just trying to be the first and foremost when it comes to being a trendsetter. Yeah, the first and foremost to mind. Yeah, no, amazing. And have you got a favorite piece, a favorite garment piece? Or is that too difficult? <laughs> um, it's quite difficult. I Do you know what? Like, I I love all of them. I, yeah. I always say this on Instagram stories. This is my new favorite piece. This is my new favorite piece. And it's like, it, my They're all your favorite, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, That's I can amazing. wear it in so many different ways that I change my favorite piece every single day. Yeah. However, I probably would say the very original, first ever, ever, ever design I did, which was the tie on bow crop top, which now comes in five colorways. Uh, my first one was in off-white, which has this really soft um, etched, uh, satin um, mm. satin design on there it's got like swirls it's really nice um, and then we came up with a black the khaki champagne yeah. and a few other colors as well so I would say tie on by crop top just because there's so many ways it's that a classic. you can wear it yeah, yeah it's a classic piece you can wear it outside a barbecue now or you can wear it with your lenga blouse with a sari um, and it just makes me feel good and comfortable as yeah. well phenomenal yeah, I mean, I think they're all stunning. That was a, a trick question. I think they're all beautiful. <laughs> but yeah, um, thank you so much for your time, Nikita, on joining me today. I mean, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. And it's just really inspiring to see that, you know, you took the plunge of at a very young age, by the way, you know, to establish your own thank brand. You. And you're doing amazing. So thank you again for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And I cannot wait to see where everyone is going to take everything else after COVID. Yeah, so thank yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. And for everyone that's watching, um, if you did join a little bit later, this will be available next week on our Instagram as well as Spotify and Apple. So definitely stay tuned. 
Um, well, thank you again, Nikita, and have a lovely rest of the evening. Thank you so much. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye.